Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back once again to Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. For my co-host, uh, John Reggio, my name is uh, Nick Chickles. Uh Danny Curran, responsible young man that he is, can't be here at the moment. He's on a job interview, but we hope he might join us later. Fortunately, stepping up to the plate is our recurring guest host, PJ Hennessy. Welcome back, Patrick. Of course, anytime. Uh, PJ is here promoting his Biased Opinion Sports podcast. They just released their final four episodes, so give that a listen wherever you guys listen to us. And uh, gentlemen, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we just got new mics in the booth, so you're going to have to deal with us uh, trying to adjust to them a little bit. But uh, gentlemen, there are weeks where I'm walking over to do the show where I think to myself, how are we going to fill 90 minutes? And there are weeks where I walk over to the studio and say, I could use three hours. And this is definitely one of the three-hour weeks um, because kind of overshadowing March Madness and Selection Sunday is Dandy's not here. I'm going to say it. The greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, announcing his unretirement about an hour after the Selection Show uh, to the surprise of not very many, but uh, back to Tampa. And uh, do you guys think that the Bucks should be favored over the Rams to win the NFC with Tom's return. I would I wouldn't go as far as to say they're favorites right now because you know, it's it's kind of similar teams coming back and we just saw that the Rams were a better team last season. Uh not a whole lot's changed. Uh, there's been a little bit of shaking up in the uh in the Tampa Bay defense and yeah. um there's some questions going in with that. And but there is a lot of off-season left, so yep. we can't really make a claim right now. But right now, I'm, I'm still very high on the Rams, and it's hard not to be, especially after the showing last year. Backwards hat's a good look, by the way. Oh, PJ? Thank you. Uh, I w- when was the last time there was a Super Bowl repeat champion? Uh, the last Super Bowl repeat champion was, uh, I believe, Brady and the Pats 0-1-0-2. Considering it hasn't happened in 20 years, then I'd probably put the Bucks as slight favorites over the Rams. But the NFC is definitely... PJ, sorry to cut you off. Switch mics for me. Yeah, this one works, I think. That that's is that three or f- uh, John? I can't read it. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes, oh, I can. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I would say since there hasn't been a Super Bowl repeat champion in like twenty years, I'd give the Bucks a slight edge. But the NFC in general is pretty weak. The Bucks, the uh, Rams, and the Packers are probably the three best teams. So it'd be hard to imagine any one of those, any other team than that being in the Super Bowl representing the NFC. Yeah, uh, I I agree. Um, maybe, maybe the Cowboys, but I doubt it. I really do. I they just I mean they just traded. I can't believe they traded Mark Cooper for a bag of footballs. But um, yeah, uh, and I just want to really kind of quickly zoom through the NFL news so we can get to college basketball really dissect it. Um, Von Miller about twenty minutes ago signing a huge huge contract with the Buffalo Bills that would. Uh, last until age 39, but uh, as PJ texted me on the way over here, NFL contracts are fake. Um, and uh, th- I mean, if he's I, not around playing football at 38, he's not going to be getting paid by the Bills. No, he's not. Uh, the It's six years, $120 million, which is a much bigger deal than I thought he would have gotten, but congrats to Vaughn for getting paid, trying to win his third ring with a third different team. Hmm. Um, I wonder how many players have done that. Yeah, and uh, probably not, maybe, probably not very many. And, uh, just want to really highlight the Chargers defense, the Chargers in general, but the Chargers defense specifically has been getting a lot better to just uh, increase the amount of talent going to the AFC West. Uh, trading for Khalil Mack and signing a former Patriots corner, J.C. Jackson, teaming that up with uh, Bosa and Derwin James. This is going to be one of the best defensive units in the AFC, I think, next year. And uh, I just the, the AFC West in general is a nightmare. I feel bad for the Raiders. They made the playoffs last year. They'll be lucky to win four or five games, I think. 
Yeah, and going back to the point before, Matt Millen, who is a linebacker, is the only player in NFL history to have won three different rings with three three different teams. teams. Wow. How How long ago was that? I don't know. I've never heard of him. So that was you were fast falling, uh, pulling that fact there, John. I'm just pulling it off of Reddit. So all right, he looks like he's a mm-hmm. little past his prime. Yeah. Um. Really, again, really quickly, MLB lockout ended. Yay! Thank God. Only took you uh, guys uh, 99 days, which was almost twice the length of Tom Brady's retirement. Which was more than twice the length. I'm sorry. Yeah. Of yeah. Tom Brady's retirement. His, his was 40. Right. He was just 40 days. The lockout was 99. I really don't know why they said, hmm, yeah, uh, maybe let's start negotiating like two weeks before we have to have a deal in place. But uh, they got it done. You're going to have all 162. There's some rule changes. Uh, we'll get into them at the end. Uh, we can just uh, universal DH. And it looks like the shift's going to be eliminated next year, which I think is just beyond silly. Um, I, I can't believe that they're going to like assign people to spots. The only shift I can't really get behind is the four outfielder because like you're – like you just literally can't hit the ball anywhere in the air unless it's a laser beam line to line, or uh, so I don't, that that I am not a fan of. But if you want to overload one side of the infield, like yeah, like go the other way. And I know like and I know it's challenging. And I know if the pitcher is pitching into his defense, it's especially challenging. But saying that you have to assign your defenders to certain spots seems incredibly silly to me. Yeah, and I don't know. Like you say, it's challenging, but why would you make it easy? Exactly. Like these are professional athletes exactly. getting paid millions to hit a baseball. You think they yeah. could just? Yeah. I'm not going to say you think they would just learn to hit the op- to the opposite side of the field yeah. because I I know I couldn't do it, and I know a lot of major league players can't. But I it, it's just strategy. Like yeah. why can, why are you eliminating an aspect of strategy in a in a sport that doesn't really have a yeah. whole lot of, I guess defensive yeah. strategy. Like there's a ton behind pitching and hitting and everything and like positional yeah. assignments, but. Yeah. On the defensive side, if you just take away the shift, like it's literally just mm-hmm. the same thing over and over. Yeah. Um, and pitch clock, it's not going to be that significant of a change, but just philosophically, I hate it because uh, baseball is the one sport without any clocks. Uh, you can't wait out your opponent. You have to go through them. You have to get all 27 outs. And I think introducing a clock in any capacity to the sport kind of undermines that. I don't think it'll really be that much of a change uh, after the first few weeks once pitchers get used to it. But it's um, a little frustrating. Bigger bases I don't care about. Uh, they say it's going to help reduce injuries, so fine. So I don't know if you know this, but with the with the pitch clock, would there also be, like, a batter clock? And like Because you can kind of stall as a batter and like so, yeah. step outside of the box and yeah. well, there, wait to get set. I know there's a they, – Because then you need, like, an objective ruling for when a batter is set, and then if you start it from when the batter, batter is set. set yeah. yeah. It's, I don't know how yeah, gonna it's going to be kind of weird. It's going to be kind of kooky, I think, for the first few weeks. Um, but I think pitchers are going to get used to it pretty fast. Uh, you don't want, like, phantom balls being called against you for a pitch you never throw. Um, there's a lot of moves that were made, too, as expected. I can't get into them without going on a 20-minute rant about how much I hate the Yankees' ownership. So we're going to save those for the end if there's time. But just really quickly rounding up, uh, Chris Bryant just signed a deal with the Rockies a few minutes ago. That makes no sense to me at all. Uh, the Rockies seem to be in a rebuilding mode, and now they're uh, letting Trevor Story walk, and now they're signing kind of a comparable player uh, to a seven-year, $182 million deal. Um, you just had Nolan Arenado. You just traded him. Uh, Chris Bryant is incredibly similar to Arenado. Um, better bat, slightly wor- uh, worse defender, but still incredibly similar player. Uh, and uh, I just don't understand the Rockies at all. <laughs> and uh, just really quickly, 
Yankees re-signed Anthony Rizzo, made a big trade, moved uh, Gio Rochella and Gary Sanchez for Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Keener, Falefa, and a catcher with about third um, catcher who's mostly a minor league catcher. He had a couple of major league at bats, but um, Zach Granke headed back to KC. Um, Braves trade for Matt Olson, the uh, former A's first baseman, meaning Freddie Freeman is gone. Uh, the uh, Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Rays and Dodgers are said to be the teams most in the mix for him. Um, but the Jays trading for Matt Chapman, maybe that takes him out of it. Um, yeah, just really quickly through that so we can get to what the I've been a- waiting. The A's have been dealing a ton of Yeah, people. the A's have been moving a lot of their talent. Also Chris Bassett. Chris Bassett to the, to the Mets. Um, they're th- they're ta- that out. They're in discussions to move uh, Sean Manaya and uh, who's the other starting pitcher, PJ, that you mentioned? Frankie Montas. Frankie Montas. Um, their discussions to maybe move them to really just blowing it up right now in Oakland. Are they going to a new ballpark eventually? Uh, probably. <laughs> uh, there's talks that they're going to move to Vegas. And um, the Reds traded uh, Jesse Winker, I believe, to um, the Mariners. That was the other big move. And so, Gary Sanchez. I said, I said Gary Sanchez. Oh, you did say Gary yeah. Sanchez. Yeah. Did uh, Eugenio Suarez? Eugenio Suarez. Yeah. Did he, did he move? I forget. I, I don't know. Look it I up. Thought I, heard, I thought I heard his name in the I news. know uh, Eddie Rosario stayed in... Atlanta. Yeah. But you, anyway. Yeah. The Braves gave up so much, by the way, for Matt Olson. He's like, he, it, it, again, it doesn't really make sense. They gave up four, they gave up three of their top five prospects, I believe. I know they gave up two of their top three. Yeah. Uh, so the A's got a really nice return for that. Just wait and for three years when the A's are filled with people that you've never heard of and three wash of veterans and they win 100 games again because that's the Oakland Athletic way. <laughs> Um, and then they blow Moneyball. it, and then they lose in the division series and blow it up. Anyway, what I've really wanted to talk about all week, very excited. NCAA tournament. Uh, I know last year we had a tournament, but uh, if we're feeling, if we're being quite honest, I don't know if it really felt the same with uh, the limited atmosphere. So we are back in earnest for the first time since 2019. Uh, the bracket was released, and uh, before we get into any matchups, I just want to talk to you guys about seeding uh, teams that you thought. Should have been in or out, and the big seed shock to me in terms of including and including and excluding is Michigan. They, I did not think they were going to make the tournament after blowing that game to Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. They were seventeen and fourteen, and not only do they make it, they don't have to play a first four game. They uh, go right into the round of sixty four against Colorado State, where they are actually a two point favorite, I believe. So I, I am really, I can't believe. Um, how much the committee kind of smiled on Michigan there uh, when they could be playing even on the same seed line, which they shouldn't be on. They could be playing in Alabama, a Texas, or an LSU. So, and I know Colorado State's good. I know they won a bunch of their games. They have quality wins. They have um, one of the better players in the country. But still, I I can't believe they skipped the first four, guys. And I can't believe they're in, but I can't believe they skipped the first four if you're going to put them in. Yeah, and they're favored in that game. Yeah, they're two-point favorites. Yeah, I don't know how you... They were 17 and 14. Yep. And they lost in the first round of the tournament. Their coach punches a guy. <laughs> and the NCAA rewards them with a bye to the next round. I, I don't think it would have mattered if they had to play Wyoming from what I watched last night. Yeah. Wyoming was not a very good team. Indiana beat them pretty comfortably. So uh, I guess I'll be rooting against Michigan because I don't think they deserve to be in. But I guess we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Texas A&M, I was a little surprised to see them excluded. Um, but. It's just just a reminder that it's not just the last four weeks of the reg- of the season. It's uh, a body of work based on the entire year, and I guess the committee didn't feel that they had done enough. Were they in the next four? Were they? I they weren't. 
think were they, they in the like first four out? Yeah, I think they were. I think Dayton was the actual. Last Dayton was team the first out. team out. Yeah. Dayton, yeah, Dayton was the first. I forget if Texas A and M was the next four or the first four out, but they were one of the eight for sure. Let's see. I forget. Yeah, I exactly where it was. was Oklahoma was in there. Porter Moser leaving Loyola Chicago. Loyola yeah. Chicago still makes it. He uh, does not. <laughs> yeah, we. I feel like we haven't heard a lot about Oklahoma this year in college basketball. They're usually like a pretty big name. They've got a big player. I'd say every other year and uh, tournament regulars, but I mean, I guess they were pretty good. They were. I think they were ranked thirtieth in the Ken Palm. They were the highest yep. ranked Ken Palm team not to actually make the tournament. Joe Lenardi had them in. I think he had the. I think he actually had them first four buys. I mean, last four buys. Excuse me. But uh, yeah, but I guess they didn't have that big win. They didn't. They, upset. they didn't. They didn't um, take one off of Kansas or something. No. Because I, I think if they had a game like that, they would have been in. But that's, again, like just not hearing about them, really. Yeah. Um, in terms of seeding, uh, we're, we're moving along here. In terms of seeding, the uh, two big – I first of all, I think the committee got exactly right. I think that Villanova on the two line is exactly where they should be after winning the Big East tournament, which we will also get to. Um I think they got that exactly right. Um, the t- major issues I have with seeding is I need someone to explain to me how Duke is a two seed over Purdue or Tennessee. Tennessee has a good argument to be a one seed, and they're on the three line. I think they should probably be on the two, but you go undefeated at home. You win your conference tournament. Uh, you have a lot of impressive wins on your resume, and you're on the three line versus Duke, who played two ranked teams the entire year and got – the doors blown off them in their conference championship game against a team that was outside of the field if they lost that game, only in because they got an automatic bid. About a bid thief in the ACC tournament, by the way. Uh, again. Like, I, I'm sorry, not again. Unbelievable. Um, but I cannot believe Duke is the two-line. I think this is kind of a thank you, Coach K, for everything you've done for the sport over the years. Because if you try to explain this to me in basketball terms, why you have this over a Purdue team, with one of the most impressive resumes in the country, or an SEC champion Tennessee team who uh, just uh, beat a Kentucky team who's also on the two-line pretty comfortably. I I don't think you can rationalize that in ba- in basketball terms, why Duke is a two. Yeah, I don't think you can either, but their name is Duke, so I think it carries a little bit more weight. They yep. also did beat Gonzaga and Kentucky, but I guess Tennessee beat Kentucky twice. Yep. Uh, but I don't want to hear any Tennessee fans complaining if you're that good. Then you should be making a run to the Final Four. So it, it, it all plays itself out in the end. Purdue definitely got a tough draw, I think. Their bracket is stacked. Yeah. They definitely had an argument for And Purdue didn't really have any bad losses over the course of the year. All the, all the games that they lost, you could pretty much explain those. So At Rutgers? Uh, Rutgers, it's tough to play at Rutgers. It's Rutgers tough beat, to play there. Rutgers beat a lot of teams at yeah, home. Yeah, they did. Uh, so I think Trapezoid. Yeah, it would be a tough <laughs> game for a lot of teams. So. Um, uh, yeah, I don't trust Duke this tournament. They have had a lot of up and downs this year, and they don't play a lot of defense. Uh, they're a good team in transition, but in the half court, they can struggle to make some shots. So, I think Duke will be. I think I don't think Duke will make the Final Four. So I think it all. I think it all works itself out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm capping Duke at the Sweet 16 after what I've seen, and their, you know, their most recent bouts of ACC play. Mm-hmm. They just have not impressed. I agree. Like Paolo. Yeah. Blanchero, like yeah. he's a great player, but he just he's shown that he like doesn't have it in the clutch moments mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And you just need a guy like that pretty much for the yeah. the final moments, like a la Colin Gillespie at the end of the Big East this there. Game. Yep. Yeah. And uh that's kind of a natural segue. And do you guys have any other seed issues or should we take that natural I, segue? I don't like uh Saint Mary's as a five. I think that they play in as much of a 
cupcake conference as Gonzaga does. And well, they play in the same conference. So yeah, yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. So, uh, and and they don't like they have some good wins. They obviously beat Gonzaga that one time at home, but you know, there's usually a fluke like that at least once a year. But their next best win after that is probably against Notre Dame. They have losses against Wisconsin, Colorado State, um, BYU beat them, San Diego State beat them, and. Uh, they don't. They don't seem like that impressive of a team to me to warrant a five seed. I could think of plenty of other teams that deserve that. I mean, Iowa just won the Big Ten, and uh, they're on the same seed line as them. Yeah, and Iowa was one of the best Iowa's players like in the country. A, yeah, they're a sneaky Final Four pick. For yeah, a they really are. A lot of teams, yeah. or a lot of brackets, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's what I got with that. Yeah, uh, not a lot of great teams on the six line. I mean, maybe you could argue. Alabama's Texas, Texas ahead of them. What'd you say, uh, PJ? Alabama's a little, little high. They I agree. Yeah, I, I agree as well. Uh, whoever wins this first four game night between Rutgers and Notre Dame, I think you have a really good chance to beat them. Uh, Rutgers, is, Rutgers matches up with them really well. Um, so, I think uh, if they Scarlet Knights get it done tonight, I think they're going to be headed around a thirty-two. I also think Houston should have been on the bubble. On the bubble. On the bubble. Yeah, uh, they they were zero uh, and four in quad one. And they just beat a bunch of uh, crap. Well, they won the conference tournament, so they would have gotten into my in my selection. But the best team they beat all year was like Oregon, maybe, and then they lost to the four best teams that they played. So I'm not a big <laughs> Houston basketball fan. I don't know how they're a five seed. I'd have them like double digit seed probably. Wow, that that's a spicy take there, PJ. I liked it. A lot of a lot of people have Houston as like one of the more underrated teams in the tournament. But I've seen a lot. It's a lot of like the advanced analytics. Like I think Houston Houston's seed right now is higher than their net ranking. Do you know that? Yeah, they're, they're, num- they're number would, four in the net. Yeah, that makes yeah. no sense because they're zero and four yeah. in quad one. Quad one, whatever, I, whatever the algorithm is there. I don't, I don't get the, how. How are you fourth in net I if you're my, own? when I filled out my bracket? I used my eyeballs and the scoreboard. <laughs> I, I, I didn't use Kempom to fill out my bracket. How are you fourth in net if you're zero and four in quad one? That makes little sense to me. Um. Yeah. Uh. Before we get back to the bracket, I just want to discuss the Big East tournament that uh, unfolded uh, with Villanova, uh, with playing three nail biters but getting three wins and bringing some hardware back to the main line. Uh Congo Gillespie was the uh, most outstanding player in the tournament. Uh Villanova won beating uh and this this tournament got off to a real rocky start. Uh down 17 in the first game against St. John's. You're thinking to yourself, "Oh my goodness. Um we better come back to try and save a 3 seed." Uh because if we get blown out by St. John's, that's probably down to the 4 line. But uh, they really battled back. I had, um, I I had faith. John, you were at the uh, game watch with me on the in the quad. I said to the person I was watching with, I said, when Villanova cuts this to five, I'm gonna lose my mind. And they did, and I did. Um, just uh, it was really rough first half. Turned the ball over, couldn't make anything, and then the second half played a lot better, and uh, found a way to get a win against uh, an upstart Johnny's team, and then. In the uh, second round, as I predicted, really high-quality game against UConn. That was uh, probably the best game of the Big East tournament, the two best teams in the conference. And um, listen, I know that Sunogo has had really good numbers all over the floor and can can shoot and make free throws and plays with a high level of skill throughout the, re- the season. But in two of the three games that Villanova played against them, I'm two of the three games that Villanova played UConn, the two games UConn lost, he was horrible. Like he he literally looked just like like a seven footer. Like they walked up to to someone on the street and they're like, "Wow, 
you're tall. Have you ever tried basketball before? He's like, no, I've I've never tried basketball before. Okay, would you like to try? Okay, go out, go ahead out there. Get get in the low get in the low post. Try and grab rebounds. Try and put it back up. That's what it looked like. The guy couldn't make a three foot shot to save his life on Friday night, and that's a huge reason why Villanova won. Um, and I know, again, I know he's a skilled player. He makes like seventy something percent of his free throws. But when I saw him step to the line against UConn, I'm like, this guy's got to be. A, I saw his form. Like this guy's got to be a forty five percent free throw shooter. But I think he's shooting seventy two. Um, that was a really good game. Back and forth all night. Uh, Brandon Slater, that that block was one of the best plays of the entire season for Villanova. And I know Brandon Slater doesn't score consistently, but that man is uh, can give you a highlight real play per night. Yeah. Uh, the dunk against uh, Providence really stands out to me. That play really stands out to me. Uh, so, And then the championship game was an absolute rock fight. No other way to put it, especially in the first half. Uh, both of these teams had played three, ga- three nights in a row. Uh, college teams don't do back-to-backs, really, except for their conference tournaments, and that's a back-to-back, two-back uh, the first half was ugly, ugly, just missing shot after shot. Second half play picked up a little bit, um, but not much. Villanova did not shoot well at all. Uh, but got to give the Cats cr- credit, kept the game close, uh, played good defense, and when the time came to make shots, Colin Gillespie made uh, two massive threes there on back-to-back possessions to give Villanova the win. I, that was a lot of talking, guys. What are your thoughts? Yeah, one thing that I've noticed from the Cats this season is that we kind of go toe-to-toe with Almost every team that we face, um, especially, well, the only teams that we really blow out are the teams that we're supposed to blow out, like the Georgetowns, the Butlers, um, et cetera. But like any other, any of the top teams, even against Baylor, which was probably our worst loss of the season, people forget like how good of a defensive stand we had in that game, especially for the first half, and then it kind of all fell apart. Mm-hmm. But throughout the Big East tournament, I mean, St. John's got off to the quick start, but we kind of held in there with them, made the comeback. But then the UConn game, the Creighton game, like even against Creighton, we haven't, we weren't like playing our best basketball. Obviously, we only we only had fifty four, but we still managed to hold them to forty eight. So I think so, I think playing like that, it's not going to be like twenty eighteen where we just blow every team out because it's hard to get to that level again. Obviously, but if we can, if the defense can clamp any team, then I'm looking forward to the future here. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. And I also liked one thing I liked out of the UConn game was Jermaine Samuels. Yeah, we've kind of I think through the Big East tournament we've actually seen his impact because he's you know he's an easy guy to pick on on the team. Like you say, he could be this great player, and you know obviously there's a lot left on the table when he plays, but it's just his physicality out there and, and the presence on the floor is it actually it adds a lot, and you can only really understand that if you're looking for it and you see how the team performs when he's not doing that. So props out to Jermaine. Yeah. Hopefully he keeps that up. Yeah. Uh, we talked about him playing aggressively so big. And uh, you saw what his imp- his impact is because he uh, I th- he barely played. I don't know if he played at all in the first half against St. John's. And uh, that's when the game threatened to really get away from Villanova. Am I allowed to take over uh, Danny's role? Uh, you can uh, just you can represent Danny or you could say whatever you feel, bro. I'll, I'll represent <laughs> Daniel. And uh, against UConn, you saw no arch in March. I <laughs> uh, went yep. uh, tight in the bench to a seven-man rotation. The only reason why Arch got in in the championship game was because of foul trouble. But uh, Jordan Longino played good against UConn, and Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore didn't really have that many points against UConn, but it was nice to see that the others stepped up. So for Villanova in the future, it's nice that if one person doesn't have it going that the team can still win, but then you kind of wonder if you need that one guy to take over a game. Who's it going to be? Yeah, if, if you Villanova lacks that player. So it'll be interesting to, to see how Villanova does and whether the, the team aspect for them ends up winning them a lot of games or if it comes down to not being enough. 
It's a great point. Um, and I like Colin in that championship game. I think he had like probably I think he had four points before the two threes there at the end, but he had ten assists. Uh, so it wasn't four. It was a little more than four. For most of the game, he barely scored. He was really focusing on distributing. He had the double double. He had ten assists. So. Um, yeah, it's nice to have guys that if shots aren't falling, they can say, but Caleb Daniels cannot overstate how big Caleb Daniels was against St. John's. He saved that game for Villanova. I believe he was the lead scorer. He kept it close in the first half with uh, some big shots, and he was uh, a key component of the second half run to come back. And, yeah, and uh, I know that Caleb Daniels has been kind of like a, like a punching bag. Not, not punching bag. He's uh, been kind of a target. Like, this guy could give you more, and, like, you're – we were looking for like the impact transfer after COVID, and that's people thought that like Kevin Daniels was going to be that impact guy. And on Thursday against St. John's, he finally was. Uh, that's probably that's his best game in a Wildcat uniform, and uh, just fantastic. I got I kind of I remember I was kind of a harsh on him after the Baylor loss in the NCAA tournament last year. So, kind of got to eat my humble pie on that one. So, uh, yeah, I mean he's not in the starting lineup, and I think it's. Sort of for a reason. I mm-hmm. think he's a good change of pace guy, like yeah. a guy coming off the bre- the bench. He's like surprisingly physical when he plays. Like, yeah, you you couldn't tell by the size, but he has some like big man rebounds. Like he goes yeah, up he there does. and just s- completely snags it. He does. So especially like coming off the bench. I know we don't go deep, and we kind of have to live with that now. It's it's March, and uh, we haven't really. De- I guess Longino's developed a little bit, but not until like a significant yeah. minutes guy, obviously, and. Uh, Antoine's still to be seen. But just to have a guy that can come and kind of like change the pace a little, like yeah. especially in a six six guy rotation, that's pretty yeah. big. Yeah. And you do, I'm I'm glad that Longino has leapfrogged Chris Arch uh, clearly <laughs> in the rotation to just try and like uh, Chris Arch, man. Chris Arch. But uh, yeah, he did get into foul trouble real quickly against, uh, I think it was in the Creighton game PJ mentioned. Um, and then that forced a lot of Chris Arch minutes, so uh, important for that not to happen. Yeah, definitely. And one more thing I want to see down the stretch yeah. here is Eric Dixon kind of resurging. Mm-hmm. We were praising him in the middle of the season, and um, maybe he took the praise too easily, and now he he, he, uh, <laughs> he was listening in on us, and he kind of lightened up a little bit. But his presence needs to be out there. Imagine we run into just a seven footer and uh I don't think Slater can just like guard a seven footer the whole the whole night. Yeah. So Eric Dixon he's gotta stay in the game, stay in foul trouble. Um I know his tummy was hurting the other game, but <laughs> hopefully he's over that. Yeah, that's going around. That uh that got me a couple weeks ago. That's getting uh some of our friends. But uh yeah. That's that's not fun. That is yeah, not a fun I one. believe it. Well the guy the guy in the uh Wyoming yesterday, were you watching that game? He had to leave in the in the very beginning their big man too. Really? I think he was like, Yeah, you need to go use the facilities in the back. Mm, mm. I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe it'll be the tournament of the facilities in the, the back. The, the, but, the tournament of but the yeah, tubby ache. In all in all seriousness, um I honestly like where the team's at right now. Uh everyone like we kinda have defined roles and we kinda know how to beat a team. Like there's no there's not many question marks left, I guess. Especially that we had in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of like putting it all in place. Yeah. And uh, just one more thing specifically for the cats. Brandon Slater, as I mentioned, he's um, can really make the highlight real plays for you. I, I just like to see him score a little more consistently in this tournament. Uh, he does average nine per game this season, but it's a lot of fifteen and then five. Um, he had fifteen against UConn. That was a huge reason why they won. 
shot, uh, I believe, on that looks like five of eight. It's uh, Yeah, the UConn coach said that their game plan was to let him beat him, and then he ended up beating them. Yep. So he was huge for them. Uh, huge for uh, Villanova in that game, and I think he's going to have to like just just try and get te- just ten a night in the tournament is going to make all the difference in the world if he can get it and get it efficiently, uh, because he's going to have to expend a ton of energy on defense, as John mentioned, um, guarding like seven footers. Um, if Villanova is fortunate enough to make it to the Elite Eight, you're going to see a really premier big man from either Arizona or Illinois if they get there. Uh, so that, but that's that's looking way 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 ahead. Yeah. We'll have time yeah. next week if it mm-hmm. comes to that to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, if you're someone who struggles with looking ahead and you realize you have a Play-Doh paper due tomorrow and you need a fresh set of eyes to look over your final draft, if you haven't even started, you can make an appointment at the Villanova University Writing Center. Located on the second floor of Falvey Memorial Library, the Writing Center is full of professionally trained tutors who assist Villanova students of all majors on their writing assignments from personal statements to thesis papers and at any stage of the writing process. Hours of operation are Sunday from 3.30 to 7.30, Monday through Thursday, 11.30 through 7.30, and Friday from 11.30 to 3.30. Stop in or call 610-519-4604 to make an appointment today. This message was brought to you by WXVU 89.1 FM, Villanova, The Roar. Uh, boys, before we get back into uh, the big dance, any uh, major takeaways from any of the conference tournaments from uh, Champ Week from last week? I just would be remiss if I didn't mention out Virginia Tech's incredible run, four wins in four days, taking down the 10, 2, 3, and 1 seeds, and their game against the 10 seed was the closest of all of those games. They really ran Notre Dame out of the gym. Uh, UNC, I don't think that game was particularly close, and Duke, they kind of controlled that one as well. So uh, really impressive run there by the Hokies, and them being on the 11 line shows that if they lost that game against Duke, they would not have been in the field. Yeah, I think that pretty much sealed it. And I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i harp on the Ivy League tournament because I was talking about that, and I think uh, Yale made it, obviously, and they won, but I think if Princeton would have won that, they would have been a legitimate upset contender yeah. in the first round. Uh, especially, I think they maybe could have pushed to a 13 seed. Yeah. But now we're stuck with the L, so yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. I like the I like the when the Ivy League team that has a chance comes in. Yeah, I don't uh, know I how. Do. Yeah, I don't know how um, they're gonna guard uh, Zach yeah. Eadie there. <laughs> they're all seven foot four of them. They'll come up with something. They yeah. did out rebound Baylor one game a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. how did they out rebound Baylor? Did they do that? How did they do that? We were uh, we were talking about that uh, clip last week actually, PJ. So uh, you go up, you bring it down with both hands. But. Yeah, yeah, but uh, in all seriousness, if you put Princeton on the 13 line against Providence, I'd probably pick Princeton. Because <laughs> Providence just loves to play to the level of their opponent and let them hang around. Yep. But, I mean, they've got no walk in the park with South Dakota sort of State, State here. Yeah, right? I actually I, I picked the Jackrabbits in that one. There's, South Dakota State, I believe, is the best three-point shooting team. Yeah, they score in, a ton of points. In the country. And I know that like they're they're not playing world beaters out there. Yeah, in their but they didn't. They didn't lose in conference. Either. No, they they went undefeated in conference. Uh, sad not to. That's a conference with um, Oral Roberts. I'm a little sad uh. not to see Max Sosmas back. But uh, this this team, I think, is going to uh, represent the uh, Summit League very well in this tournament. I'm not sure Providence can keep up with them. The over under for that game is like 150. So wow, is it really? Providence yeah. is going to have to score over 70 points to win, and I don't know if they can get to that number. Mm. Yeah, I, w- I wish I've seen a South Dakota State game and during the regular season just to kind of yeah. see how they actually play. I mean, I can go I'll probably go and watch some highlights. Yeah, I was uh I, I remember we was watching the uh, championship against uh North Dakota State 
um, which is obviously like their arch rival. Hmm. So uh, that was that was a really tightly contested game. That was a really good game. Uh, yeah. So kind of a great segue here. The last conference tournament that I want to talk about is um, the CAA, where five seed Delaware. Um, went on a nice little run there to uh, steal the bid from the one big league, and uh, here they are uh, playing the Villanova Wildcats in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the first in their first round game. Uh, the spread on this one, I believe, is fifteen and a half. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Like I don't, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know a lot about the Delaware Blue Hens, um, but they obviously were not daunted by the task of. Uh, going through their conference tournament on the five line, having to take down the one seed and uh, making it in here. But uh, I don't know how good the five seed in the CAA is. And I think this is, um, you know, it's a 15 seed for a reason. But 15, two upsets, they do happen. You can't can't walk into that arena and think that this is a scrimmage to get ready for Ohio State or Loyola. Uh, You got to go in. Um, you're you're going to be the bigger, stronger team that can shoot the ball better. So do all those things, and you should be fine. Yeah, some highlights. I, I did like a little bit minimal, a little bit of minimal research on Delaware, and uh, their leading scorer is Jameer Nelson Jr. Actually, the same, the son of the Jameer Nelson, who I think in um, 2003 led St. Joseph's University to be a one seed in the tournament. Really? Yeah. So they have his son uh, leading the team at 13.7 a game, mm-hmm. and then we have. Uh, our old friend Dylan Painter, Painter yep, who started. He, I, he started his opening that year from here. I think. I think yeah. it's his sixth sixth year playing college basketball. Yeah, and I think he's their best player. Um, he has he's uh, putting up twelve points, six and a half rebounds, about two assists, and fifty five percent from the floor, and actually thirty eight percent from three. Wow. So uh, that's that's experience, if anything. But um. Aside from that, there are no like standout guys, I yeah. guess. But they one thing to note is they do, do they do go eight, sometimes nine deep. Mm-hmm. So um, if it, if the unthinkable happens, I think it's gonna be be because of their fresh, more fresh legs, like fresher legs out there, not to yeah. will in, anything into existence, obviously. But um, um, their their premier win yeah. on the year was upsetting one seed Towson in the tournament. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only they're, other they're five seed uh, in the CAA. The only other tournament team they played. The only tournament team they played during the regular season was Davidson in their first game of the year, and they lost by twenty two. <laughs> um, lost to t- losses to Temple, Oakland, Iona, UNC Wilmington, Hofstra. Like, I, I, having Painter is an advantage because he knows Villanova's system. He played in it for a couple of years. I I remember he started. He was started. He was the starting center, I believe. He, I know he started. Against, against Morgan State, the yep. first game of the year, the first game in the renovated pavilion, and he transferred very shortly after that game in the middle of the season. Um, so, yeah. Take uh, what you will out of that. Yeah, 22 and 12 overall for the Blue Hens. You played them two years ago and won by eight. We played the Blue Hens two years ago? I remember yeah. that, actually. I don't. December. I forget when that was. December of 2019. Yeah, but they're they're like... Barstool affiliated uh, school Instagram pages—they're—they're they're talking a lot. So, I, th- I mean, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why they're—they're t- they're talking. But um, I mean, I, when was the last time Udell made the tournament? They're—I <laughs> think they're happy. First birth since 2014. I think they're just kind of happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not—I'm yeah. not angry at him by any means for yeah. giving us a little, you know, what on the yeah. side here. But uh, yeah. we'll see. 
come Friday. Friday at, at about when does the game start? Two forty-five. Uh, Friday at, at like three. We'll, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see how they're feeling at Friday at three fifteen or. I don't know. Maybe we'll be sweating. Who knows? Okay. Anyway. Uh, That's enough I, of that game. Yeah. I just want to move, before we move on to broader bracket in general, uh, should Villanova do what Villanova should do against Delaware? They'll play either Ohio State or Loyola Chicago. Um, that's going to be a tightly contested game. Ohio State is really injured right now. Uh, but uh, this Loyola Chicago team obviously can't doubt Sister June and March, but this is not the same Loyola Chicago team that um, – Went to the Final Four or beat Illinois last year. Cameron Crutwig, I think, is playing in Lithuania or something somewhere, some godforsaken league somewhere. So he's not he really? on the team anymore. And uh, yeah, both these teams are solid teams. That's why they uh, made uh, got at-large bids to the tournament in the intermediate seed range. Um, the Buckeyes, in general, kind of worry me just because uh, their best player would be the best player on the floor, but. Um, they're really beat up. I don't know how healthy they're going to be by Friday. Uh, where is Cameron Crutwick now? He's, He's in the BNXT in Belgium, League. I think. Yeah. Antwerp? Telenet Giants Antwerp in Belgium. Lithuania was kind of the neighborhood. Who knows? <laughs> same continent, I guess. Same, same continent. Any, anyway, um, Ohio, State, Ohio State does scare me a little bit, but I don't know how... Um, healthy they're going to be should they advance by uh, by Sunday or healthy they're going to be by Friday to try and advance. Um, again, this is I think the Buckeyes are a dangerous matchup. And again, you can't doubt Sister Gina March. So I think Villanova is going to have to play a really solid game. If they're going to make it to the Sweet 16, you cannot overlook either of these two opponents. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It'll be, it'll be a tight game. I'd rather face Loyola because I still have the Ohio State game from a few years ago. In your memory? Yeah. I'd rather face face Loyola. I think Ohio State's probably more athletic, and I think Loyola would be probably a better matchup for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember going going up against Ohio State. I think it was was it two years ago, sophomore year, when they absolutely blew us out. Yeah, it was sophomore. It was, sophomore, it was sophomore. I remember we did the show. We talked about that game for half an hour. We went downstairs yep. to the pit in like five minutes. It was eighteen to two. <laughs> We're like, okay, let's let's leave. Yeah. So I mean, as nice as it would be to mm-hmm. face off against Ohio State again, and like. Yeah. Kind of hand it to them for a little revenge two years later. I yeah I I yeah. don't like the matchup there. Um, usually when the other team has like a really good player, we've had a little bit of trouble containing them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna count the UCLA game and all them. Just Johnny Juzang was horrible. Yeah, because he was horrible. You know, that was that was his fault, and that wasn't that wasn't Villanova not being able to con- or Villanova no. containing him. I think it mm-hmm. was more of just him not having a very good game, but. Yeah. It all it takes is like one guy, like a Kemba Kemba Walker moment, yeah. to just yeah. go off in a tournament and uh, start racking up wins. And EJ Liddell is, can be that guy. He averaged twenty and eight during the regular season and two and a half blocks per game. He's a third team All American, which is the same team that Gillespie is on. Um, six seven two forty, so he's not going to have an overwhelming size advantage. Uh, he's not going to have any size advantage. Uh, I think Eric Dixon is a really good defensive matchup for him, just because they're guys who are. Tall, like not super, super tall, but uh, are are big, strong guys. So I think Eric Dixon is, could thrive in that matchup. But the Buckeyes are a good team. They have five quad one wins, uh, twenty six in that ranking. They do have actually five quad two losses, and uh-huh. uh, lost eight games in conference. But um, this is a solid team. This is this is a team that could cause Villanova problems. Uh, 
Yeah, pretty much. But do you know? Um, I don't know their injury situation. Yeah, like I'm trying detail. to find out about it. Um, I know I, Liddell was hurt. I think he's back. Yeah, but even if he's playing at like yeah less than eighty yeah. percent, like that's that's a pretty big loss. Yeah, I actually don't know anything about Loyola Chicago this year either. But they always they just can't stop finding their way into the tournament no. now. Glad Sister Jean is uh back for another year. Yeah. Hopefully you don't we don't mm-hmm. give her too much of a shock if they win. So <laughs> but we'll see. Let's see. The Buckeyes that I will they are they're struggling as you would probably expect with uh their injuries, loss of their last four and five, four of their last five, lost the first game they played in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but to Penn State actually, um, who did not have a very good year. Um, but they they played without uh, two of their best players, Kyle Young and Zed Key. And Kyle Young is in concussion protocol, and his concussion is so severe he wasn't even at the game. Hmm. Uh, so I don't know if he'll be ready to play for a potential matchup there. And uh, they didn't really have any significant updates as of um, Monday afternoon for the Buckeyes. So we'll see uh, if they can play Friday and advance against Loyola if Loyola can pull off the upset. Uh, that's a tight spread. That's like a point and a half, right? Yeah, I think so. Let's find out. Yeah, if that. Mm-hmm. I know one of the games was a like a just straight-up pick them. They didn't even give it a spread. Yeah. Uh, that could have been like the Davidson-Michigan State game. Yeah. But uh, I forget. Ohio State is uh, laying a point and a half. Point and a half. Yeah. So. But I mean, in general, I kind of the right side of the bracket just seems a little bit easier. I want to say like the teams aren't more than a as in, as incredible. <laughs> yeah. But um, Arizona, I'm sticking to the I'm sticking to what I said a couple weeks ago. They're they're fraudulent. They, <laughs> they're not a very good team. Well, they're obviously a good team, but I th- I think that they're a little bit overrated. Mm-hmm. They put up. Tons of points against mediocre Pac-12 teams, and then you know when they get into real competition, they shake up a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're an early exit, honestly. Um, we would have trouble with Kofi Coburn, but I, it's hard to tell anything about Houston. PJ, you obviously don't like them, but uh, uh, no, I have them losing to UAB in the first round. Yeah, you have them getting upset. Yeah, but um, I, it's not an upset in my book, but yeah, I do have UAB. <laughs> <laughs> a seated upset, we'll say. Yes. Yeah, U- UAB scores a bunch of points too. They're kind of like San Diego State. Huh. Or not San Diego State. Uh, what's it called? Uh, South Dakota State. South Dakota State. San Diego yeah. State guards. Uh, but then, other than those teams I mentioned, obviously Tennessee. People are harping on them. Oh, they should have been a two or a one even. Yeah. But we beat them earlier in the year. Yeah. So I mean, we've proven that we can do it. Yeah. And I, w- I obviously wouldn't be surprised if we're facing them in the Sweet 16 if we were to make it that far. I yeah, I will say, to your point about the difficulty of the bracket, when they were announcing the bracket and they did the uh, they did the uh, West region first, Gonzaga's region, and when they were getting the two line, I said, get me out of here. Like I thought that's where Villanova was going to be. I thought they were going to be the lowest two seed. I said, get me out of this region. Because uh, if you're the two seed, you got to play Michigan State in the, Sweet Six- in the round of 32. A great Red Raider team in the Sweet 16. And then on the other side of the bracket, Gonzaga obviously is the overwhelming favorite, but you have phenomenal teams in Arkansas, Memphis, UConn, UConn Arkansas. Uh, Gonzaga has about a di- as difficult as a road to the Final Four that I could imagine. An like, overall one seed. Yeah, yeah. one seed overall. Like, I like Memphis because Boise State, and that's not – to disrespect Boise State at all, but Memphis Memphis is athletic. They can score. They were beat up earlier in the year, caused them to lose a bunch of games, got healthy. 
I, that's 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 tough. That's a tough round of 32 game. And then you win that, you you get out of Connor Arkansas. Good luck. Um, I just I opened a fresh bracket <laughs> to look at a to, to like look at it on the tournament challenge and accidentally hit Wright State slash Bryant over Arizona. <laughs> so I don't think that'll happen. But. So uh, yeah, never I say just, never. Yeah. Uh, so we've been kind of talking about this, but um, out teams that you think should be very high on upset alert. Uh, here in their first round game, I've kind of alluded to. I'll go first. I've kind of alluded to already, but I think Providence could be in big trouble against South Dakota State. South Dakota State, some of the best three point shooting stats in the country, and Providence loves to play to the level of their opponent and just let them hang around. They uh, against Butler, um, they let that team hang around for the entire game uh, in the first round of the Big East tournament, and uh, the the luck metric. Uh, as John brought up er- like earlier in the year, they were the luckiest team in the country because they just win so many close games. They just again, they just let their opponents hang around. That if you do that, you eventually you're gonna get burnt. Um, so, I have actually in my bracket South Dakota State taking down Providence, and I think I would not be surprised if, at all if it happens. And I, I think the Friars are in trouble tomorrow. Yeah, uh, what John said, I think about St. Mary's. I like Indiana to win that game. That's a pretty close spread, too. Indiana's playing some good basketball right now. Uh, and then also Texas against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech probably can carry that momentum from the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. And I probably can't pick Texas to win a game until I see them win a game. And they haven't won a game in a while in the tournament. It always seems like they choke. And then... Lost to Abilene Christian last year, I believe. Yeah, uh... I'm not saying these two are going to happen, but Vermont against Arkansas. A lot of people think that Vermont is like a good, experienced team and that can shoot the ball well. And then also Colgate against Wisconsin. I think a lot of people think Colgate is a old and experienced team that, that can give Wisconsin yeah. some trouble. So I think those two games might be closer yep. than what people expect. I honestly was considering picking Colgate, but the game is in Milwaukee. This is going to be all – it's going to be 100% Wisconsin fans. Uh, it's get a true road game, Colgate against Wisco. I can't, I cannot take against Wisco there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that we were talking about South Dakota State being the best three point shooting team. Uh, Colgate, I think, is the second best. I think they're shooting as a team like 40 percent from three. Oof. So you know, another just I I had him last year, and um, I think they were playing Arkansas, and they were like a very similar team. Just can shoot the lights out, and that game was a lot closer than I'm sure Arkansas would have liked. And Wisconsin has. They had one of the most underwhelming finishes to the season. Like, I'm kind of surprised they're a three seed, but, mm-hmm. I mean, they were on the two line, so I guess it's fair to only bump them down one. Yeah. But, I mean, you did beat Purdue by three, but you lose to Nebraska. You lose to Michigan State. Michigan State. Um, Rutgers almost takes you down. Uh, you only win by one against Minnesota. So, or Rutgers did take you down once and then a, almost almost twice. But, uh I wouldn't be very high on them right now. I I have I have them beating Colgate in my bracket, but um, I have them losing to LSU in the next yeah. round. I, they they have a very good draw in my opinion, just because like you have 14 seed and then LSU doesn't have their head coach, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if LSU wins. Uh, and Iowa State does not impress me either. But uh, that's they, a very questionable move by LSU. Yeah, <laughs> fire your coach right before. The tournament starts. I, I think there were extenuating circumstances yeah. with like I didn't look into tampering, it. Um, mm. or like uh, like illegal recruiting pr- uh, practices. So I'm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, but I'm gonna say. Uh, hmm. Yeah, five level one NCAA violations. 
Uh, they fired him on Selection Sunday. <laughs> so that's going to be – yeah. He was suspended for the conference and NCAA tournaments after reports revealed – he was already suspended – uh, after reports revealed a federal wiretap captured him discussing a strong um, word for donkey offer for a recruit. <laughs> so yeah. that is uh, – it's going to be tough. I've, they played the SEC tournament without him already, so it's not like it's their first game without him. But to lose your head coach this close to March Madness is an unbelievably challenging adjustment for these young men. So uh, I'm just – I'm looking ahead here to hypothetical – Round of 32 matchups, and I'd, I'd ask that you guys... Um, actually, sorry, one more first-round matchup I want to highlight is Creighton and South San Diego State. These are two of the best defensive teams in the country, Yep. and I think whoever wins this game is going to have a really good chance to beat Kansas. Yeah, I was going to uh, say that. Cray- it's, uh, for Creighton, it's an in-state rival, um, so that, that would be huge for them. I don't know. I don't know. Where's their site? Creighton. Oh, it's in Texas. So Creighton's in Nebraska now. It's in Nebraska, not Kansas. Yeah, they're they're all the same. <laughs> Been bro. here for four years. Yeah, they're all the same. <laughs> Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa. They're yeah, all the same. They're, man. they're in the same like plains. Same. The, the, a great plains rival. Okay, yeah, sorry. Okay. Forgive me. I'll give it to you. Anyway, thank you for correcting me. But uh, no, no San worries. Diego State, Creighton, they're they're pretty similar teams. Um, they can score, but they really guard. Creighton uh, had the best opponent field goal percentage of all the Big East teams, and San Diego State has some uh, impressive wins on its resume. I'm trying to pull it up right here. I know they beat. Let's see. Yeah, statistically, they they average their opponents put up the second yeah. small or lowest amount of points mm-hmm. in all of uh, yeah. Division One. Yeah. Right they behind the North Texas yeah. Mean Green. Yeah. They went two and one. Uh, North Texas was supposed to make the tournament, but yeah. they lost their conference tournament. Beat. It seemed like this year they beat St. Mary's. Um, they beat. They were two and one against Colorado State. They did lose all three of their games to Boise State, but uh, they were actually two and two against. They had two wins against ranked opponents, the same number as Duke. Uh, so, yeah, uh, opponents only score fifty-seven point seven per game points per game against the Aztecs. So that's going to be a really good game, and I like whoever wins that game. I like their chances against Kansas uh, quite a bit. I don't know if they will win, but I like their chances quite a bit. Um, should Rutgers win the Rutgers Notre Dame game tonight? And by no means am I guaranteeing that. I think they have an excellent matchup against Alabama. Uh, they they just match up really well there. And uh, this is a team that could beat just about anyone, but also lose just about anyone. You kind of never know what you're gonna get. So yeah, Bama is either going out in the first round or they're going to the Elite Eight. Yeah, I, I was actually referring to Rutgers there, but same thing with no, Alabama. Right. Honestly, yeah. Rutgers Rutgers has a win against number one in the country. Um, <clears throat> And I know it's they're not in their home arena, but they did win at Wisco, so they it's not like the if the game is outside of New Brunswick they just lose. So either those are two of the most volatile teams in the country, so that's uh, that's gonna be a good one. Should Rutgers beat Notre Dame tonight? Um, I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I think that's gonna be a really uh, tightly contested game. Uh, it's the first time back in the dance for the Irish since uh, 2016, 2017, I think. PJ. Yeah. Uh, would have loved to have Danny here to to talk about this uh, first four game, but I'm sure I'm sure his job interview probably ended by now. And he's like, okay, time to watch an hour of Notre Dame basketball highlights before this game tips. Anyway, moving right along, um, I'm very intrigued by Colorado State and Michigan. I want to see if Colorado State's legit. I've been hearing about them all year. I've been hearing that they're really good, 
and uh, Michigan, as we talked about, probably shouldn't even be in the field, let alone first by Memphis, Boise State. That's going to be a good one. I, I like Memphis quite a lot. Uh, any other games, guys, in the first round that you're uh, really excited to see? We've talked about all, most of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't got much more to add about the first round. Yeah. I think uh, UNC Marquette is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. An 8-9 matchup there. Marquette and Justin Lewis, I mean, they've had a relatively surprising, surprisingly good season. Um, I didn't really expect them to make the tournament when the season started. Yeah. But they progressed pretty well, and uh, Justin Lewis can put up 30 if he wants. But UNC is also coming to form, it seems, at the end of the season here. Yeah. They were... I guess they were adjusting a little still to coach coaching change, uh, switching the program yep. up around. I mean, but Roy Williams is still heavily involved. He goes to every home game. Yeah, definitely. And as Danny mentioned on air, I'd be shocked if he wasn't involved in some capacity. Yeah, but even, I mean... The, yeah, it's, the, it's a big adjustment. The You're team correct. walks into to, uh, Duke. Coach K's last game? Coach K's last game. And they and they yeah. just, like, mm. demo- no, I wouldn't say demolish them, but demoralize them demoralize, completely. And yeah. just, like, <laughs> end Coach K's career yeah. at the... Uh, Mm-hmm. At Cameron Indoor, Cameron, Cameron Indoor, just yeah. in I, one of yeah. the most inglorious ways. Well, possible. that's a crazy environment. If you're a UNC player, you cannot be intimidated going to Cameron Indoor. You just can't. Like yeah. you, that's that's your arch rival. That's one of the best rivalries in sports. You got to be ready to play there. And they were give them give them credit. They were in that that uh, game. They were on the bubble. That game said bubble no more. You're in. Yeah. Um, and then one more one more we haven't talked about was uh, Murray State in San Francisco. Yeah, that's going to be been, a good one. I've been hearing from the beginning of the season how good San Francisco is this yep. year, and uh, they're kind of back. They used to be like – I'm pretty sure it was like the 50s. They are a complete powerhouse of a program, but yeah. they, have, they obviously fell off a little since then. But Murray State's also been – it's a shame, honestly, that they have to face each other because um, if they were facing other teams, I think I would have picked both of them. But now we have yeah. you know, Murray State versus San Francisco. I think it's going to yeah. be a great game. Murray and, State uh, – yeah. Um, Murray State really, was like ranked 19 or yeah. something by the end. They they were 30 and two actually, but they're not really they're not playing the cream of the crop out there in yeah, the well, conference. Uh, their losses, the least. their losses are to Auburn, who was the best team they played, the only ranked team they played, and to Eastern Tennessee State University early in the season. Uh, they do have wins against um, Memphis, Belmont, and uh, that, that was when Memphis was really dinged up. And I think that's really it for significant wins. Oh, they beat Chattanooga, who's also in the tournament. But uh, San Francisco, although they don't have a ranked win, their only ranked opponents were Gonzaga. They lost all three times. Uh, they did beat Davidson. They beat BYU twice. They beat uh, UAB once. Um, lost to Chicago by five. So I, I'm, I agree. I'm excited uh, for this one. I don't know how good Murray State actually is. 30-2 and two is obviously kind of an eye-popping record, but... Same kind of thing as Winthrop last year, who lost once, but like you looked at their schedule and you're like, I have never heard of half of these schools. <laughs> yeah. So, but I agree. Yeah, San Francisco was uh, like an, a powerhouse uh, program back, uh, way, 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 way back in the day. I think they have two win, like ch- they, I think they have nas- they have at least one national championship. Yeah. I remember. It's one or uh, two. Yeah, that's the thing about um, Murray State, though. 30-point wins against Eastern Illinois and uh, 35-point wins against Tennessee Tech like don't really move the needle for me all that much. But Had a road game at Auburn early in the season. Uh, kind of, They were down 10 at the half, and they, never, they were never really in it. But um, 
yeah, we'll see. We'll see what this team can do. Uh, it's not like, but this is not the same Murray State team that came in on the 12 line and beat Marquette um, because there's a guy, John Morant. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's uh, doing pretty well in the NBA, but he's not walking through that door. And uh, Murray State does not have a guy like him this year. Hmm. Anyway, so some hypo- I want to discuss some hypothetical, obviously, assuming things go a certain way, round of 32 matchups. And the one that honestly absolutely leaps off the page for me uh, would be UConn against Arkansas. Uh, we've talked a lot about UConn on the show. We talked a lot about how they're such a good team, second best team in the Big East. And the Arkansas, the Arkansas Razorbacks can run, man. This team loves to get out in transition. They can score in absolute bunches. Um, games against them are they're averaging seventy-seven per game um, with. Uh, some really impressive wins on the year. Beat Kentucky, beat Tennessee, beat Auburn. And so, beat Texas A&M. So, this is a really good team. Two match, two really good teams. I know I'm saying that a lot, but these are... I, I'm surprised this matchup... This is more... This feels like a Sweet 16 matchup to me instead of a round of 32 matchup. I think there's a lot of teams on the 4 and 5 line that these teams are better than by a lot. So I'm curious to see how Sonogo performs this tournament after playing so well all year for UConn's schedule and then really floundering in the two of the three games he played against UConn's strongest conference opponent in Villanova. So that's going to be a good one. I'm really excited for that game. Should yeah. it happen. Arkansas's all their best wins are at home, though. True. With the crowd going crazy. So I want. I wonder how Arkansas is going to do on a neutral court without that, without yeah. that energy. So I give a slight advantage to UConn in that game. Yeah, it's going to be, and it's in Buffalo, New York, so obviously there's going to be more people driving out there from Connecticut than uh, hopping a flight from Little Rock. So, Fayetteville. Fayetteville, it's, I just, I don't know if Fayetteville is an airport. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, one one hypothetical that I'm looking at, and I guess it isn't a hypothetical, consider Assuming that Baylor beats the 16 seed, which I think they will, but Norfolk, what? dude, Norfolk State, their their key game, they lost to Xavier by 40. Did like, they? <laughs> if you look at if you go on ESPN and click notable results, it says at Xavier lost by 40 points. Do you remember uh, Kyle O'Quinn who was in the NBA? Norfolk State in their history, they were like uh, I forget what seed they were, but they had like a huge upset one tournament, and uh, Kyle O'Quinn, who was a former Nick, was on that team. So that's kind of what I know about Norfolk State, but. When Baylor advances, uh, they're either going to face UNC or Marquette, and mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm not entirely convinced that Baylor can beat either one of those teams. Mm. Well, they can beat yeah. them, obviously. Well, they can. I don't well, think that they they will. will. Yeah, I don't think that they will. Mm-hmm. Um, Baylor, kind of like Wisconsin, limped to the finish in a yep. way. Uh, they had some pretty tough games, uh, some tough losses. They lost to Texas Tech, who's obviously a, a good team. They're a three yeah. seed right now. They'll, but. Um, they also lost to Alabama, lost to Kansas, um, and then in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, where their first game, I'm they sure lost to the Oklahoma. First, they lost to Oklahoma. I'm, sur- who I'm surpri- in the tournament. Yeah, I'm surprised that win didn't get them in. We talked about them not having a big win. Uh, I kind of forgot that happened, so I'm a little surprised they didn't get them over the hump. But yeah. continue. I'm yeah, not, uh, and then if you have hot teams going in, sorry PJ, like especially UNC. I think if UNC wins, I mean UNC, they're as tested of a team as. Mm-hmm. Uh, Many others, I would say. I mean, especially just going into, like I was talking about, yeah. uh, Duke and then beating them on Coach K's last game there. Yeah. Uh, and while that loss to Oklahoma in the tournament is a little concerning, the the Big Twelve is a grind. Yeah. Uh, they their their five games prior were all like all pretty tight. Uh, not 
all of them decided by 10 points or fewer. So I think that could kind of be the grind of the schedule and kind of a blessing. I think this could be a blessing in disguise because you still got a one seed, first of all. I know, I, I know you want to win the Big 12 tournament, but you still get a one seed and you have a week off to, to kind of rest, get ready to go again, reset yourself mentally. So I think that could help Baylor quite a bit. But at the same time, a game like that if against Oklahoma, if you ha- play that game against UNC or Marquette, you're going to lose. So. I think the uh, the Baylor concern is a little overblown. I think they're uh, they obviously won the championship last year, so they have a lot of experience. And in terms of teams that we were talking about earlier who don't deserve their seed, I think UNC is an eight seed is way too high. They were on the bubble, and then they beat Duke in Coach K's last game, and then they shoot up and somehow get ranked in the top twenty five. <laughs> so I'm not a big UNC fan at all. I give them credit; they won that game. But looking at the rest of their schedule, I mean, what good team on this schedule do they beat? Yeah. So I'm not a huge UNC fan at all. Uh, I just think their name, North Carolina, holds more yep. weight, yep. and I think Baylor. I think they'll. I think they're pretty, yeah. pretty good lock to make it to the to the re- Sweet Sixteen. See, yeah, they did. Uh, and Marquette has uh, had some bad losses down the stretch too. They, they, yeah, I think they've lost at DePaul somewhere too. I think. Yeah, fact check that. Yeah, UNC. And Marquette got knocked out the first round yeah, of the Big East too. Some yeah, they lost to Creighton, I believe. Some other like yeah, some key results for UNC. They got killed by Kentucky. Uh, lost by 17 to Tennessee. Lost to Purdue. Yep. Uh, lost. Got killed by Wake Forest. Um, beat Michigan two and one against Virginia Tech. Um, and by the way, uh, Johnny, your earlier point, Kylo Quinn's upset was fi- uh, the upset two seed uh, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, so they were a 15 seed. Yeah, 15 two upset. So I there. mean, they're one ahead of 16. Was to say they can't do it again. <laughs> yeah, was to say, but I don't, I don't think they have an NBA player on their roster again. Yeah. Marquette has lost five of their last eight games. Yep. And four of those games are on the road, and one were on neutral court. Yeah. So we'll see how they do outside of the uh, Pfizer Forum. Forum. That's a tough place to play. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but aside from that, um, I don't know. Every other game seems like I like. I like. I guess if we're going to the Sweet Sixteen by now, the Kentucky versus Purdue. If that were to happen, Whoa, I think that'd be a crazy game. That I would uh Edie versus Shibuya. Uh, um. That'd be phenomenal. I think you'd see the uh, smaller, more skilled player just absolutely carve up the larger, less skilled player, which would be a joy for me to watch. I can't, I can't stand guys who are just tall. Like I really, I really can't stand it. Like that are just gifted a perfect basketball body and can't make a four footer. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's not Shibuya. He's he can box out. He can score, uh, rebound, block shots. He can do it all. Yeah, and then a team. To watch, I think, is Iowa. I th- I think they have one of the easier 12-5 matchups to begin with. I don't, I don't think Richmond's good at all. I don't know how they're 12, honestly. Yeah, I. Yeah, I don't. All know. of their wins are by like two points, and yeah. like they even in their conference tournament, I think they were like the. They were the six. Were they the six? Yeah, they weren't even like ranked highly in their conference tournament, in whatever con. Are, are they a ten? A ten. They are a ten. Yeah. Yep. So I'm con- completely unconvinced there. Yeah. And then I think they would they would either play South Dakota State or Providence, and I think they can beat yeah. either of them. And then assuming Kansas makes it past San Diego State or Creighton, yeah, I one. think that that's going to be a really good yeah, game. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, Iowa's actually – Fran McCaffrey is a completely tournament-tested coach. Uh, usually he hasn't gone far ever, but he usually picks off a couple games. And uh, Iowa right now, they have the fourth highest offensive rating. Yeah, out of all the teams in uh, D one. Yeah. How about nice. yeah. how about losing the national player of the year and still coming yeah, back and winning the big time? Back. 
Yeah, that's that's really impressive to just do that. Because I feel like we haven't been talking a lot about Iowa this no. year. They kind of flew under the radar, and all yeah. of a sudden here they are yeah. as like a popular Cinderella. I guess you can't really call them a Cinderella as a no. five, but no. uh, a popular like flyer in a lot of brackets. Yeah, it kind of flew under the radar in a really busy Big Ten. Uh, fell to the five in the Big Ten tournament and then just uh, demolished Rutgers and then uh, wa- uh, was looked really impressive against Purdue in that one. So, I, again, I was surprised to see them. I was a little surprised to see them at, on a five. But, um, yeah, this is, a, this is a really good team. Keegan Murray is one of the best players in the country. I think National Player of the Year is going to come down to either him or Shibue. Um, so this is, you talked about a guy that can do, go on a Kemba Walker like run. That's him. Uh, 23 and a half per game shooting a 55% from the floor, eight and a half rebounds. So this is 23 and a half, by the way, is fourth in the country in points per game. So this is a guy who can really carry a team and what improvement from last year. I know, uh, he, his role basically doubled, but he was a, Seven points a night guy, I think mostly off the bench for them last year behind Luka Garza. And now he's one of the premier players in the country. I would is he project is he a projected lottery pick? I would assume. Uh I'll fact check you. All right, but NBA draft dot com. Yeah. Dot net, excuse me. Net. And he can he can shoot the three ball too. He's shooting forty percent from three on the year. So this is a kid who can really do it all and a kid who can he's really projected uh tenth. Tenth, okay. So. Projected lottery pick in Keegan Murray. So this is uh I, I like Iowa's chances as well. We'll go on a run. I, I mentioned that San Diego State and Creighton, I like their chance against Kansas. I'm not super sold on this Kansas team. Um while they're one seed, they definitely earned that one seed. They won the Big Twelve, all that stuff. Uh, Big Twelve is one of the most challenging conferences in the country this year. I think I, I like Iowa's chances to get to the Elite Eight. I'm not saying they will, but I think they have a good chance. I'll say they'll get to the Elite Eight. You'll say that? Yeah, I have Kansas going out against San Diego State, like you said earlier. And also, Iowa does have, if Providence does win, I mean, that's a pretty good four-seed matchup. You probably want to play a four-seed Providence over UCLA, mm-hmm. Illinois, or Arkansas. Yeah. But, yeah, everyone on, everyone on Twitter loves Iowa, so I don't even know if they're a sleeper team at this point anymore because when everyone says Iowa's your sleeper, then they're not so a they sleeper get, like, anymore. Sleeper out of, sleepered out of it, so... <laughs> But yeah, a lot of people they get woken are, up. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are definitely on on Iowa, and I think we've kind of I think we're kind of like hinting at it, but like the left side of the bracket is way better than the right side of the bracket. Yep. So that allows for a team like Iowa to be a sleeper, because like it's strange that one of LSU, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Colgate, USC, Miami, Auburn, Jacksonville State, one of them is going to be in the Elite, Elite eight. eight. That just doesn't sound right. And then one of Kentucky and Purdue is like physically not able to be in the Elite Eight. Yep. Just you're right, you're right. The left side, of the, especially that east, that east region. I'm sorry, not th- the east is also tough, but that west region, man, that is <laughs> sheesh. I, I'm glad Villanova. I I don't know if I could have handpicked a better like I, I Tennessee's tough, but this, I love Villanova's draw. And uh, kind of natural segue there, gentlemen. Uh, would you guys mind sharing your uh, your final four uh, for your listeners for our listeners in this one? Yeah, I'll take it right off my bracket here. Yep. So I have Gonzaga coming out of the West. Um, I don't think I have to explain that very much. No. They're the number one overall for a reason. Mm-hmm. And then I've got Purdue coming out of the East. Uh, I think that Baylor is going to actually go out in the Sweet 16. 
to uh, UCLA. I mm. mean, I'm not high on UCLA, but I think Baylor has to lose somewhere, and I'm going to put it there. Uh, Purdue-Kentucky is going to be a barn burner of a game, but yeah. I, I can see Jaden Ivey kind of taking over there. Yep. And uh, Zach Eady, to an extent, holding down uh, Chiebue. Yeah. And then Purdue will be there. I've got I, – I, I'm afraid to say it on the air, but I've got Villanova <laughs> coming out of the – out of the South, I, I haven't yeah. done it in any bracket yet in, in my four years here, so I'm doing it in the end yep. here. This is the best chance we have. Yep. Yep. We, have yep. we have a relatively easy path. Um, I'm going to yeah, obviously knock on wood. Yeah. And, uh, I, this is wood. I, I got the soundboard over yeah, here. Knock on, wood. knock on whatever's over there for yeah. me, please. <laughs> and then uh, the game that I'm really looking for Nova to win is uh, if we were to go up against Tennessee, Tennessee, partly because Tennessee is a very good team. They have some amazing wins. We have beat them, and it's very hard to beat a team twice in college. So. Chelsea. Uh, I will say, though, it's a question mark. Tennessee's most of their best wins are at home where they were undefeated. Um, curious to see. Like PJ mentioned with Arkansas. I'm not Arcan- afraid of Tennessee. What? I'm not afraid of Tennessee. Yeah, like PJ mentioned with Arkansas, I want to see how they do outside of their home gym. But at the same time, they did just win the SEC tournament, which is a neutral court. Um, so we shall see. Yeah, and then my final team is uh, – Actually, Iowa coming out of the Midwest, a five nice. seed going to the Final Four. Uh, I'm not sold on Kansas. Obviously, Kansas, uh, I don't even know if they deserve a one seed, but I guess who else are you going to put up there? I mean, like, a couple teams, but that that wasn't my decision. And then Auburn is a little dinged up. I can see him going down. Yeah. And uh, Wisconsin, completely not sold on. Providence, completely not sold on. Then everyone else is a lower seed. Yeah. So uh, Iowa by default there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's that. I'm not going to give final picks yet. Yeah, maybe me that, Maybe we'll give that me a little either. later. Um, PJ, would you like to go, or would you like me to go first? Uh, I'll go. Uh, as John, I have Gonzaga in the east bracket. I don't what? think the west. The west, sorry. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to lose to a team that's that they're better than. I don't think they're that type of team that'll get upset. Uh, then I have Kentucky uh, winning the east bracket. Uh, I definitely might have had Purdue in the final four if they're in a different bracket, but they're going to lose in, in a close one to Kentucky. Uh, that is, and then I have Auburn out of the Midwest because I just think if they play their best, they're better than any other team. And they were number one in the country for a few week period, so I don't like a whole lot of teams there. But I just think that their upside is more than any other team, so I have them. And then I have Illinois over Villanova in the Elite Eight. I don't want to jinx it, so if I get if if Illinois doesn't make it and Villanova does, I'll I'll take that trade off. <laughs> and in the Final Four of Kentucky being Gonzaga. And then I don't like all-conference matchups, so by default I have Illinois beating Auburn. And then I have Kentucky cutting them down against Illinois. Uh, I'll, g- I'll give it because I don't know when the next time I'll be on the show. Yep. And 10 years ago, Coach Cal cut them down in New Orleans, so I think 10 years later. History's going to repeat he's itself. Gonna, he's gonna, history's going to repeat itself, and I think yeah. Kentucky will, will uh, cut them down yep. in New Orleans on <laughs> April 4th. All right. Uh, we, ha- we got a clean sweep of the Zags out of the West. Uh, while we mentioned at length why their region is so tough. I th- they're the best team in the country for a reason. I think that this could be their year, but I think th- I like them to go to the Final Four. In the East, uh, I have Kentucky. I'm not usually a big Coach Cal guy in in this tournament. However, this is a not your normal Kentucky team full of one and dones. This is an experienced uh, older team, and that's that's a lot of teams in college simply because of COVID. But Kentucky hasn't really ever had that advantage, and uh, when you combine that with how well Shebway is playing. I think I really like Kentucky, uh, even though it's a, a tough, tough region. Uh, the Purdue game, as PJ mentioned, is going to be brutal. Um, and that Baylor game, if Baylor makes it there, and which is not a guarantee, 
either. Uh, that will also be tough, but I do like Kentucky. In the South, I got the Villanova Wildcats making it to the Final Four. Um, as John mentioned, uh, this is the best chance that we have. Uh, yeah, sorry, knock on wood. Uh, I just want to mention that our freshman year, that team, well, I'm going to take this chance to talk about Villanova. That freshman year, our team was absolutely gutted by um, losing Spellman and DiVincenzo a year yeah, before they were supposed the to go. Um, like you, you, you never complain about winning a national championship, but Dante DiVincenzo went from outside of the N- NBA draft to uh, top 20 pick because of two games in the Final Four. And Omari Spellman also left uh, after he's a redshirt freshman, left um, before Villanova was expecting. And our soft, our freshman year team was supposed to be Divincen- uh, Phil Booth, DiVincenzo, uh, Pascal, Spellman, and um, maybe Jermaine Samuels, I guess. Like, Spellman would be the five, but Jermaine Samuels would be like the, the fourth, the fifth starter there. So that is a much better team. Gutted loss uh, by those losses. And the our junior team was much better, but they were just destroyed by injury, uh, losing their starting backcourt in uh, Moore and Colin Gillespie. Which I would t- like. I they're not the best backcourt in the country, but if I, I feel comfortable with them against any backcourt in the country, and that yeah. just just didn't have either of them against Baylor against. I I mean, listen, like it's a team that hand checks relentlessly and goes uncalled, and we had Chris Arch bringing up the basketball against them in the second half of the NCAA tournament <laughs> fight. when they're down and desperate. Uh, I think a lot of people could have seen what happened there coming. So that was uh, that was tough. This is this is it, and obviously no tournament sophomore. Yeah, and this we team had Bay and JRE on yeah, the same team. This team has a chance. This is the first time of the three tournaments of the four years that this team has a chance to do some damage. A real chance, not just a, oh, it's March, anything can happen. No, this is one of the best teams in the field. When they play their best, this is one of the best teams in the country. They can beat anybody when they play their best, but they have to play their best. And I like them in this region. Uh, Tennessee is, I think, the sec- I honestly think that Tennessee is the second best team in this. I think Villanova is the best team in the region. I think Tennessee is the second best. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. Beat uh, some once already. Uh, beat the brakes off of them, but they're a better team now than they were then. So that'll be tough. Not sold in Arizona, as John mentioned. I know they have a really impressive record, but beating up on the dregs of the Pac-12 doesn't really impress me. I have Illinois taking them down in the Elite Eight, actually. And uh, Kofi Cockburn is going to be a brutal matchup for Slater and Dixon, but I think the guard play would carry them through that game. And finally in the Midwest, after talking against them for five minutes, I actually do have Kansas winning this region. Um, this is a team with four guys who average double digits, uh, most notably o- Okabaji, uh, but you also have Christian Braun, uh, Wilson, and David McCormick, who are older guys that average double digits. Uh, they won the Big 12, which I think was the best conference this year, and uh, they are have one of the most efficient offenses in the, in the nation. So I think it's going to be tough if they are shooting the ball well for any team in that region to, to keep up with them in scoring. But with all that said, I do like them. This was for uh, this is I, I could see them losing in the round of thirty-two just as easily as I can see them in the final four. So that's my final four: Gonzaga, Kentucky, Villanova, and Kansas. You can laugh at me for having uh, two two seeds and two one seeds, but I tried to go out on a limb last year and I had the worst bracket I've ever had. <laughs> so I'm going to play it a little more conservatively this time. All right, 
All right. And I think that's a pretty good rundown of Cut, the round of 64. Round of 64. Your, uh, the tournament starts to, uh, tomorrow at noon. Your bracket will be busted by 2 o'clock. Uh, it happens to all of us every year. It's okay. Uh, do you guys remember the best you ever started? I remember. I started 6-0 and one time, and I thought I was, like, hot stuff. And then I think by the end of the day, I was, like, 10-16. and 16. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever gotten past, 10 for 16, like, excuse me, not 10 for 16. Like, 4. Yeah. I think 4 might be my highest. Yeah, yeah same. Four. Last year, uh, <laughs> I lost the first game, actually. I picked Virginia Tech to be Florida. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, the 7-10s, they're tough. Yeah, six starting off six and zero is kind of like my like premier accomplishment. Yeah. Well, I remember a kid in middle school. He had the first day. Day correct? right. That's and like, it, it, like everyone was talking about. It. Yeah. So I hope to achieve that maybe once in my life, hmm. but <laughs> I haven't gotten close. Yeah, it, like I feel like the people who have intermediate college basketball knowledge, like they know a little bit, and yeah. they watch some of the games, and they like have. They do the best because <laughs> I think the people that like really watch it like overthink their picks. Yeah, well, one of my roommates just isn't into sports, and I like literally forced him to fill, fill out, out a bracket. bracket. And you know he's gonna like, get, yeah. get too wrong in the entire first round. Yeah, my mo- my mom filled out a bracket, and I'm really just terrified that hers is gonna be better yeah. than mine. Because <laughs> sometimes that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, just you a can, bit we can talk about it for an hour and a half, and. Yeah. Uh, Analyze these teams, but and then you show know, up, and all of a sudden, you have one game in a completely yeah. unfamiliar situation. Yeah. All for of a sudden, yeah. Texas Tech goes into a weird environment and just can't buy a basket in the Vieja Arena in San Diego, and all of a sudden, Montana State yeah. <laughs> is in the round of thirty-two when you lose this Final Four team. I, I still, I, I will remember for the rest of my life. I lost a Final Four team to Oral Roberts University <laughs> in the first round. Oh my goodness. I wonder if there's going to be like a big 212 this year. Or did we get we got it last year with Oral Roberts and then uh, I mean a uh, 12 over 2. Yeah. I, I mean f- 15, 15 over 2. Jeez. Yeah. Those yeah, those are usually every couple years. <laughs> last year you had a 14 beat a 3 last year, you had a 15 beat a 2. Um Yeah. Remember when everyone was like when like the trendiest pick in the world was Winthrop 125 over Nova? Yeah, it was Certainly That's trendy. <laughs> I, I also remember that kid, they had a kid, oh, he leads the nation on triple doubles. Yeah, with three. <laughs> with three against uh, Eastern Kentucky or uh, whoever that Winthrop plays in that conference. So, yeah. Do I have the uh, authority to change the subject? Sure. Please. Moving on to the women's bracket. And uh, we'll start with Villanova. I think they were, uh, they've been on the bubble the last few weeks, which yeah. to me it doesn't make any sense because we beat UConn. We ended their 145 game Big East streak. And I think. Once you beat UConn, you really shouldn't have to do anything else to get into the tournament. <laughs> so that I think the women's they yeah. check out their bracketology and how they make their brackets because we should have been in the field a long time ago after beating UConn. Play first round game against BYU. We play in Ann Arbor. In Ann Arbor. So if we win that game, then we'll be playing probably Michigan. I have. How does Michigan get to play in, at in, home. in Ann Arbor? Well, they gotta sell tickets. There's there's, yeah. an, even, there's an even I worse guess. one. Uh, one of the regionals is Bridgeport. That's in Connecticut. Oh my NC God. State is the one seed and UConn is the two seed. Uh, so uh-huh. if they meet, NC State will be playing pretty much a road game as the higher seed. So that's that's unlucky for them. Uh, but UConn hasn't won at all in like five years. Obviously, one of those years was COVID, so that got yeah. wiped out. But if they don't win this year, that'd be six years or five basketball seasons. So that's a, that's a pretty long time for UConn. I have UConn cutting down because yeah. you know it's just UConn. You just gotta. Yeah. Not, I'm not a fan of 
picking a different women's team. So I go UConn every single year. So <laughs> we're going to go right back to the wall. I think South Carolina is a good team. I think they already beat them this year. They play, I think they've already played. Yeah. So I have uh, UConn over South Carolina yeah. in my women's bracket yeah. with uh, the other one seeds, yeah. uh, Louisville and Stanford, filling yeah. out the uh, the rest of the Final Four. Yeah. But quick shout-out to uh, – Villanova. We have a good player too. What's her name? Maddie. Maddie Seegers. Maddie Seegers. Maddie Seegers one of the best Conference players. player of the year. Conference player of the year. He's gonna say one of the best players in the country. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think I think she'll bow out to uh, Louisville in the Elite Eight. I think Maddie wow. Seegers leads us to an Elite Eight berth. Wow. And yeah. then uh, another player is uh, we talked Iowa men's, but Iowa women's have like a, their own Steph Curry. Yeah. She. Kaylin Clark. Yeah. Oh I've, yeah. I've seen. Like, I've seen her pull from like the logo. Yeah. And she, just goes, she gets over half court and then shoots it and goes in. So. She's going to run into a talented South Carolina team in the yeah. eight, yeah. and that game's going to be in North Carolina, so it'll be a big South yeah. Carolina crowd. But, yeah, yeah. quick N- shout-out yeah. to uh, Iowa basketball, women's basketball as well. Yeah, not not as many upsets normally in the women's bracket as the men's. I uh, I actually have the flip side of you. I have South Carolina beating UConn in the championship. Definitely possible. But is that – I have South Carolina winning. When did you have South Carolina – UConn beating South Carolina Final Four? They're on opposite uh, sides of the opposite bracket. sides. Yeah. So they were playing in the championship game. Yeah, I said I had South. I had the opposite of you. I had South Carolina beating UConn in the championship. Oh, what was your last question? What? <laughs> what was your last question? You said I said I had South Carolina beating UConn in the championship game. Yeah. You said that's impossible, and I said I said that is possible. Sorry. Oh, possible. I thought you said that's impossible. No, that is, that is Sorry. That is definitely possible. That South Carolina. Wins yeah, the uh, they absolute heartbreaker last year. Missed like a, a little putback that would have had them beat Stanford and go to the championship game. Stanford eventually won it. Uh, I think they're coming back hungry, and I think they're going to cut them down. Yeah, uh, so just we have about eight minutes here. I'd like to talk about these baseball moves if I can. Please. Uh, so on, I believe it was Monday, uh, the Yankees traded, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Gio Urshela, Gary Sanchez for Josh Donaldson, uh, Isaiah keener Falefa, and... A, um, a catcher whose name escapes me, but his biceps are, like, bigger than my head, but he still averages, like, you know, 50 at-bats per home run through his minor league career. He has no power. I don't get it. Um, but here are my thoughts on this trade. Um, Gary Sanchez kind of worn out his welcome in New York with a lot of the fans, but you cannot deny the Yankees got significantly worse a catcher. I, Kyle Higashioka can barely hit his weight. And I don't. This kid like had has had like an like a cup of coffee in the big leagues and did not hit very well at all. I I can't even I can't remember his name. Like I just there's like a meme about how like how like like yeah dude you're so strong like your 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 arms are so big. Uh, vet. like yeah he's he's big like good for him but he has absolutely no power. Yeah. And um anyway. The Sanchez, you get worse at catcher. My issue here is I I have no problem bringing a stopgap shortstop because the Yankees' best prospects are shortstops. Anthony Volpe is 15th overall in baseball. He's the top prospect in the system. They also have Oswaldo Peraza, who is, I believe, their fourth or so best prospect. He's also top 100. They don't want to block their top guys. I get that. You want to bring in a a, a stopgap shortstop to hold over the position for a couple years. That's fine. That's, uh, like... That's completely understandable. So I'm not upset about not getting Correa or Story or Seager from before the lockout, whatever. If you're going to bring in a stopgap shortstop, get someone who can hit. This this kid can't hit Isaiah Keener-Faleva. He's a phenomenal defender. Just He's like absolutely sterling defender. 
but he he can't hit at all, really. Uh, OPS of 670 last year, which is an OPS plus of 85, 15% below league average. On base of 312, um, eight home runs in over 600 at bats. Uh, that's about 75 at bats per home run, which is laughable. Um, 25 doubles, so I'm thinking he has, does have some speed and three triples, but this, like, good defender, really good defender uh, that cannot get at base and has absolutely no power. So that's first of all. Second of all, why are you training Gio Urshela for Josh Donaldson? Why? Josh Donaldson is is a better hitter, but not by much. He's 36. His career, he's clearly on the decline. He can still he he still has pop. I'll give him that. But you are getting so much worse defensively. It's not even funny. Gio Urshela, I I like, I love advanced metrics or offense. Don't really like him so much for defense. But and they don't like Gio Urshela. I don't understand it. Watch Gio Urshela play defense for five games and tell me this is not one of the best defensive third basemen in Major League Baseball. And he is an unbelievable energy guy. There was uh, you remember the play in the last regular season game against the Rays where he he just he just sprinted uh, into the dugout, like crashed horribly. Uh, it looked like he tried to stay in the game, couldn't, and was ready for the wild card game. Um, unlike most of the team who was healthy, but that's a whole other issue. Um, Donaldson still has pop. I know he won an MVP, but you are paying him so much money. Uh, you're taking on the entirety of his remaining $50 million on his contract to not be a significant upgrade over what you had. And yes, his OP- OPS of 827 last year, OPS plus of 127, uh, 350 on base, 475 slug, 23, uh, 26 home runs, war of three. Those aren't bad numbers, but it's not a significant upgrade over what Gio Rochella offers you with much worse defense and much more expensive. So when you go out and you say, Last year, we underperformed. And anyone with eyes knows they underperformed. They were the American League favorites coming into the season. They were second favorites to win the World Series. The American League favorites don't get to the division series. Putrid regular season and just an embarrassing performance in the wild card game. And you say, this, our, under, our ownership says, our underperformance was not due to management. It was due to the players. Okay. That's a fair position. A lot of guys really underperformed last year. I don't think the Yankee managers anything special with Aaron Boone. But if your position is they underperformed, we uh, our players underperformed. Fine. This team is supposed to be competing for a championship. They have one of the highest payrolls in the league. They have a top two starting pitcher in Garrett Cole. They have a top five. They have a top whatever position player in Judge Stanton. All that good stuff. This is supposed to be a team that is competing for a championship. If you go out and say we underperformed last year because of the players, don't return essentially the same team. You, you resign Anthony Rizzo instead of Freddie Freeman, which makes no sense. Spend money. Uh, you're the Yankees. Don't cry poor. Uh, maybe don't take on Donaldson's weird contract if you want to improve the team. Uh, this is essentially the same team. Back last year, you got worse at catcher. You got slightly better offensively at third base. You got worse defensively. Makes no sense. Uh, you're you're basically, from an offensive perspective, you're saying... Hopefully, Glaber Torres can return to 2019 form. Hopefully, DJ LeMahieu can turn to 2019-2020 form. Uh, hopefully, Judge can put up another MVP caliber year. Because while Judge, Judge was phenomenal last year, like I'm not going to say a bad word about his performance, but he, his 2017 numbers, oh my lord. Uh, they, they want him to be 2017 Judge again, which is going to be hard because that is one of the best offensive seasons in the last 10 years that anyone's had. Uh, you're going to need Stanton healthy the entire season and to perform basically as he did for the last month of the year. The last two months of the regular season was, um, okay, we're, we're hitting. Did 
Judge get an extra base hit? No. Okay. Did Stanton get an extra base hit? No. All right. Well, we're not scoring for three innings. Uh, so there, that's gonna obviously have to change. Guys are gonna have to step up behind him. Need Joey Gallo to actually do what he does. I've defended him a lot because I don't care about batting average at all because he gets on base, plays great defense, and hits home runs. You got to actually do the other things though. You have to actually still get on base and hit the home runs. He wasn't doing that. He's I, his OPS with the Yankees was about 600. That's terrible. Um, Anthony Rizzo needs to try and get back to. Uh, he was actually off to a pretty good start. Um, with the Yankees, really good start. And then he got COVID, and he wasn't the same. So hoping he can bounce back. Great defender at first. But it's the bats. Like, all this like all this stuff about, oh, the Yankees are so loaded on offense. They When they lose big games and when they lose in the playoffs, it's because they can't score runs. The pitching has never, has never been the issue. The Yankees have one of the best pitching staffs in the league. You have Luis Severino coming back, and in limited time last year out of the bullpen, he was phenomenal. Garrett Cole, again, top two pitcher in Major League Baseball. Jacob deGrom is the only one who's better than him. I know, obviously, not horrible start in the wild card game. He was battling through an injury. Um, and, oh, if, if you're a guy who's like, hey, spider tank, hey, he's spider tank, you're, you're just stupid. I'm sorry, you're stupid. Look at his numbers from after the crackdown, before his injury. Uh, he was the best pitcher in the American League by a lot. Uh, had the best start any pitcher had in baseball last year, after the crackdown, before the injury, in Houston, nine innings, complete game shutout, 12 strikeouts. Um, and you can't, you cannot say... At the same time, we are competing for a championship. It's the players' fault we underperformed, so here's the same team. And I just, last note, because we are over time here a little bit, the Yankees want to win. They used to be obsessed with winning. I want the team that's obsessed with winning. George Steinbrenner famously said, um, winning is the most important thing to me after breathing. It goes winning, then breathing. This Yankee team is winning is nice. Um, for In order of importance, it goes breathing, then resetting the luxury tax and also staying under the second tier when you go back into it, and then winning. That's disgusting. You were the Yankees. Be evil. Spend all the money. You want it. You complain. People complain. You can buy a championship. Okay, go buy one. Buy. Go out there. Buy a championship. Buy all the good contracts. Buy all the good players. Get them on your team and go purchase a championship. <sighs> I'm glad I got that out of my system. That's evil saying that. You were living up to it. Yeah, I want uh, the evil. I love that nickname. I twenty twenty three. Joey Gallo will be a much better player mm. without the shift. Without the shift, that's true. That he will be. Wow, he player. might be one of the best. He might have one of the best seasons ever. He will have his best season in without the shift. Anyway, we're over time. We're gonna let the next people in. Uh, thank you, PJ, for joining us. Check out the Bias Opinion um, podcast wherever you get yours. Uh, for John, for Danny, and Abstentia, I'm Nick. Game time sports, where it's always game time. Enjoy the madness. <laughs>